0: Good morning. I am Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net for my friends in Oman at WSOU.net. We are so happy to have in our studio today the very young and bright and enthusiastic candidate for Village President of South Orange, Alex Torby. Alex, welcome to the program. Thank you. So, Alex, you are running for Village President. Why should I vote for you for village president? Well,
1: I think in most of the conversations that I've had with uh, residents in our community, i um, been knocking on doors for a couple of weeks, and um, really from actually growing up in this town and going to Columbia High School, I've gotten a pretty good sense of not only how our community works um, and the different pieces of our government and community groups, um, but also the needs of our community. And I think there are a lot of those needs right now that are... Uh, are not really being met. Um, and that's one of the things that I want to try and bring to the table a little bit.
0: Absolutely. Uh, specifically, what if you can say three top needs that are not being met, uh, what are they? And what are you going to do to address them?
1: Sure. Well, I think the, the biggest need um, is that people need to feel confident and safe living in this town. I think second to that is that people need to uh, feel like they're getting a good value for their property taxes. And third, I think that people need to feel like they are uh, involved in the decision-making
0: that our government makes um, and do you feel that currently they're not as their input is not as welcome as you would like I don't really see that many ways for residents
1: in the town to get involved in the decision making process uh, the board meetings are Monday night and you know I think as both of us know people's schedules are pretty busy and you know not everyone can make a once a once every two weeks meeting so if we had some more ways for people to get involved online you know, things that should never necessarily replace a physical meeting, but we could certainly use to just make it more accessible uh, for anyone to get involved. And if someone has, uh, you know, an hour of free time on a Thursday afternoon during lunch and they want to somehow contribute to the town,
0: uh, we should be providing ways for them to do so. Uh, you should go to his website. It's www.alextorpy. Dot com and it's a l e x t o r p e y dot com. You will clearly see that uh, this is a man of vision as he is utilizing all of the social media tools that are available currently on the web. Uh, His website is beautiful. He provides a lot of information. So, Alice, what you're saying is that by the use of social media, you'll be able to disseminate information, you'll be able to communicate with them, they can communicate back with you in regards to maybe some potential decisions?
1: Absolutely. I think social media is going to do two uh, primary things. One is it's actually going to make it easier for people in a position such as myself to actually get involved in government. Um, because no longer do you necessarily need to be affiliated with either a party or a slate. If you have ideas and there's community support behind you, there are tools that allow you to, um, in a much more inexpensive way, get information out to people. So that's a pretty big piece of it. And I think the second piece is the governance process um, that I really hope that we can work to really change. You know we're still operating under uh, a process and a set of procedures that really were constructed before, before the internet even existed. Um, And we have these tools that allow people, you can be on a cell phone um, and talk and and video chat with someone on the other side of the world from your cell phone to their cell phone, yet there's no way for people to get involved and provide feedback or discussion on our municipal website.
0: And what would you like to see happen? What, What changes?
1: Well, I guess one of the biggest changes is that people like to talk about things. And the physical meetings, the physical board meetings, are not necessarily conducive to a discussion. You know, they're really framed as more of a chance for the government to update the community on what's happening. Um, so I would put myself in the shoes of a resident, um, someone who goes to work during the day, uh, whether it's in town or, or in New York City, and they're commuting back and it's been a long day, and they get home and they open their computer Um, which more and more people are really going to um, as a source for information and as a a place to talk to people rather than a television or a phone. Um, And what is the village doing to capture that energy or to capture those ideas? So, for example, uh, you know, there are anonymous online message boards that a lot of residents use um, and even more residents uh, look at. And those are places where I don't see conversation being guided in a way that is most constructive as possible. So if the village could take a proactive role in that and say, hey, we're actually going to host a discussion, we're going to create a, um, or use one of the existing platforms that already exists um, online now to provide a place for people to go online to not only discuss the issues that matter to them, but to also provide a way for them to actually be part of the decision making process. So you could create a, uh, a guided discussion platform that literally took residents through, or business owners or, th- or the students here at Seton Hall through five steps and say, well, here's the first step. Uh, we're going to identify the need. We're going to agree on the problem. And then walk people through proposing alternatives, looking at the fiscal impact of each option, and then finally getting to a point where maybe the top three or top five ideas, which only come at the end, are voted on um, by the online community and that those ideas and that information is presented to the board. So really at the end of the day, these sort of things can actually empower our government to, a, ha- to, to have a better idea of what their community wants. And even more than that, we can use our community and the energy and the ideas and the expertise of people that live in our town to actually help solve
0: problems. We are here with Alex Torpy who's running for Village President and uh, it's great to have him on the program. Alex, tell the audience a little bit about your background, your education and and why you're running for the Village President and not a trustee position to start. But let's talk about your background. Sure,
1: sure. Uh, Well, I grew up in Maplewood and South Orange. Um, I went to Columbia High School, uh, graduated Columbia High School in 2005 um, and I studied Uh, When I was an undergraduate, I studied uh, law and anthropology and political science, Um, and in graduate school, uh, I study uh, a master of public administration in emergency management. Um, My my business background is I've always been uh, an entrepreneur. When I was younger, I used to uh, teach tennis lessons and restring tennis rackets, and I actually got into web design uh, and consulting, which is my current business, uh, by creating a website for my tennis business. And I said, hey, this is actually really interesting and kind of a fun way for me to design something. Um, and then ever since then, that was about 10 years ago, uh, I've been building websites and more recently turned that into more of a larger consulting, looking at media and social media um, and fundraising um, and, and print and graphic design as well. Um, but so for your second your second question, uh, the reason why I'm running for, for village president over trustee is I see these positions as two really very radically different positions. You know, a trustee is kind of a legislator um, and the village president is both chair of the board of trustees, but also is an executive. Um, And I see myself really fitting into that position much more than a legislative position. You know, the skills that I bring to the table, uh, public safety experience, um, from being on the Rescue Squad in South Orange and the Citizens Public Safety Committee, um, my academic studies of public safety when I was an undergraduate, and I, uh, I worked for about three years for my campus police department. Um, you know, those are things that I think our village president needs an idea of how our police and fire um, and Rescue Squad, how their, how their jobs, how their day-to-day, uh, on a day-to-day basis, how that works. Um, I think we need someone who has the energy to really commit a lot of time to this, uh, you know, I live a block away from Village Hall and I own my own business, so I'm in a pretty good position, especially as a 23-year-old, to really make this the first priority of my life and to basically live in Village Hall and I can do office hours and I can um, go out and speak to municipal employees, which I've been doing, and I think that level of time commitment is something that's really important for a village president. Um, and I guess the last piece is that I would see the village president as, as a communicator. Um, someone who knows how to work with media, um, who knows how to uh, build public support and consensus for an idea, create an agenda, make that agenda public, and get not only the board, but get the entire community on board before moving forward on a decision. Um, So I see those as, you know, really the important qualifications of a village president. um, And those are things as a trustee that I would say, uh, you know, are not, um, I guess, are not the most important qualifications for those
0: positions. Very good. Um, And at the beginning, we we talked about the three reasons why someone should vote for you and what you would do. And one of them was meetings. What are the other two things that you would highlight Are the uh, urgent important items that you would take on as Village President? Well,
1: public safety seems to be the the biggest thing that people ask me about uh, as I go door to door and as I call residents and go to uh, meetings in Village Hall. Um, And I think that the second concern of property taxes and our property tax burden on on single family home homeowner, homeowners especially uh is actually in large part fallout from uh two things one is not having a total handle on some of our public safety problems uh, like the large gatherings downtown and two the perception of our public safety i think if you ask someone who lives in suburban new jersey uh maybe not maybe not a town directly adjacent to south orange and you say hey yeah uh, come hang out in south orange tonight uh you know let's go to dinner Um, that the response tends to be, oh, the oranges? And the perception is a negative stereotype. Um, And I don't see our village or our village president really going out and marketing and promoting South Orange as the destination that it actually is. You know, we have some minor um, and some um, variably larger public safety problems, but not incredibly different than most other towns. But when people look at, you know, Livingston or Maplewood or Milburn or Westfield as a downtown to go to, I don't think they look at those towns as having the same uh, problems, quote-unquote, that we do. Um, so we need to get out there and show people that this is a destination.
0: Well, you know, bringing up safety uh, something near and dear to my heart, being that uh, we're here at Seton Hall University, and I'm on the University Advisory Council, and uh, we've had some incidents here around the campus. Uh, I, I'm on the faculty, so I get those alerts when someone mm-hmm. is mugged or robbed, but I haven't seen any of the local leadership step up to say how they're going to address this problem. Now, I know they're addressing it in their own way, uh, but we don't know exactly what that is. What would you do differently if you were Village President in dealing with this issue of crime on the campus, right outside the campus of Seton Hall University? Well, the first the first thing before even getting to policy ideas is
1: that we need to communicate with people. Um, you know, my philosophy of government Is that even if something negative happens we need to let the residents in the community know you know it's not fair to try and keep that information from people even if it will make people uh even if it makes people realize that something negative has happened in the town because i think people need to see what's going on and then they need to see the response after that um so the first biggest thing is is making sure that we're letting people know the powered alert system that exists at seton hall that should exist for south orange residents um and we should be not only letting people know as events like that happen, because one of the best ways one of the best ways that something like Neighborhood Watch works is the immediacy of getting information out. Because if, if you if you're a Neighborhood Watch um, member and you call the police and say someone's uh, you know sneaking around my backyard, the faster that information can get to your residents in your neighborhood the better chance someone else is going to see that same person and maybe catch a description or a license plate and be able to call the police department and have them come out there so we need to really update how fast this information moves so that would be the first part um, and the second part is we need to uh... i think we need to be really careful when we look at the discussions of cost savings in our public safety departments. You know, that's an issue on the table in every municipality right now is, you know, we have this much of a budget and and most of the time public safety departments, especially in a town like South Orange, uh, tend to be the majority of the budget and the personnel costs are the vast majority of those budgets. Um, So as we look at something like sharing fire services, I think we need to be very careful with police and make sure we take into account how incredible this, the access to that service is that we actually have right now. Um, and is there more we could do? You know, I think so. Um, I think that we could bring back uh, bike patrols and foot patrols um, and assign officers to beats where they get to know the neighbors and the community a little bit better. You know, in some strange way, I'm very nostalgic for policing before cars and radios existed because they had to walk around. Um, And South Orange is a small enough downtown where if we have the manpower to do so, you know, you obviously don't want to lose out by not covering enough area. You know, it's almost a quantity versus quality argument. But in the areas where crime is really hitting hard, which are very specific areas, mostly around Seton Hall, um, there are definitely ways I think we could uh, show people that are uh, coming into this town and committing these crimes, and they tend not to be people from South Orange or even Maplewood, um, is that we need to show them that our police are out there
0: and um, what else do you think needs to happen in regards to the community leaders getting together to discuss and, and deal with this issue
1: well w- one of the things that i would love to see our village president do is sit down with the mayors of the towns that surround us and not only not only as just a general show of uh, camaraderie and you know working together on not just public safety issues but everything um, but is looking at well you know we've got a problem and you guys have similar problems, what can we do? What resources do we have that we can pull together, not necessarily to save money, although that could be a great benefit, but is how do we improve the service? And I think there's a lot that we could do to improve the level of service that we offer without costing anything more. And I think technology is a really big piece of that. So if you look at, uh, you know, uh, the average police officer's day, the amount of time that they have to spend doing paperwork is pretty mind-blowing. Um, I did uh, a study of this for one of my classes at John Jay, and it was looking at how you can modernize and increase the productivity of a municipal public safety department. and the amount of time and the, n- the number of things that police officers have to fill out paperwork for, I mean I think you know it's 2011 and paperwork seems to be uh, for worse, a large part of everybody's lives. Um, but there are things that we can do. there are digital solutions that if we could allow a police officer a police officer, to spend 45 minutes or an hour or an hour and a half more of their day on patrol rather than filling out paper reports or paper tickets where those have to go back to the police department where someone's entering them into a computer anyway i think we could save a lot of of money by bringing more value to those services
0: absolutely absolutely i'm a big proponent of uh... The semantic web, where you can uh, harness uh, vast amounts of information, and then you can uh, disseminate it as you wish, and, and and that is something here. Here at Seton Hall, um, we have the, the the East Ward Gate, and um, we've had a number of muggings there. And I was at a dinner the other night with the university of with the uh, for the university advisory council. And the village, uh, not the village president, the Seton Hall president was there, mm-hmm. and I wanted to ask him a question, but I figured I would I would save it for another time when uh, it was for a different event. But what you had just mentioned—that um, the leaders getting together—I don't know if that's ever happened. I'm not sure either. I, th-
1: you know, I think one of the really important things that we could do is make sure to reach out to not just the mayors of other towns. Um, but our county officials, our state officials, and federal officials. You know, I've spent a lot of time talking with uh, police officers um, and municipal employees in this town, but also in other towns, because we don't need to reinvent the the wheel. You know, there are 566 municipalities in New Jersey, and a lot of them have had the same problems that we've had. And that's not even looking outside of New Jersey. There are so many people that have worked on these issues, and I guess it's the same philosophy of municipal decision making, where instead of trying to limit the number of people who are in the room making a decision, try to increase that number as much as possible. Because that aha moment where you bring someone into a room and they make a suggestion or make a point that was not from anybody else's perspective, the more that we can um, encourage the possibility of that, I think the better decisions we're going to get.
0: Absolutely. Um, Let's talk about property taxes. Mm-hmm. What is the formula for reducing the property taxes in South Orange? As you know, the educational part of it takes up about 50% of that mm-hmm. of, of, of everyone's tax bill. What are your thoughts?
1: Absolutely. Uh, so the, the, municipal, the municipality <clears throat> collects um, about 28 cents of the property tax dollar And I think there are two main ways, uh, well, really three that we can go about this. One is the cost cuttings that we've kind of mentioned, is looking at what can we do to make people's jobs more productive. So that's, that's the first piece. The second piece, which I would consider a more sustainable solution, is how do we bring in more revenue into the town? We've got vacant storefronts, we've got vacant lots, some that have been vacant for over a decade. The Bifus lot. The Bifus lot lot is exactly where my mind was. Um, And where Eden Gourmet is now, which is great that they're there, um, but that spot was open for For almost the same amount of time. And to think that we're having trouble, granted it's a bad economy, and downtowns everywhere are facing challenges, but we've got a midtown direct, we've got two train stations in this town, and a college with between undergraduate and graduate students, almost 10,000 people. I think that's the perfect environment for a thriving downtown Um, and we're not really capitalizing on the resources that we have to offer. There aren't that many businesses downtown for Seton Hall students and, um, and there aren't that many businesses that encourage people to come to the downtown as a destination. And when people get downtown, they get a parking ticket if they find parking. Um, And I think we need to figure out a way to make our downtown a little more inviting. You know, if someone visits for the first time and they get a $40 parking ticket for leaving their car for five minutes to run into the ATM, the odds that they're going to come back to South Orange again, I think, are pretty low.
0: So are you suggesting free parking?
1: Not necessarily. Um, I think that uh, by reorganizing some of the parking, um, having some on-street parking, you know, the five or 15-minute pickup for free, I think, is great. We've got a lot of uh, pizza places, diners, dry cleaners, banks, uh, quite a few banks um, things where people are coming down for a couple minutes and running out. And if we can make it a little easier to make those five-minute errands, I think that's a big help. Um, but the, the last piece to that is that I think there are two ways that we can look at that downtown parking situation. You know, the way that it's being looked at now is, well, how do we afford to build a parking garage? And that's going to be the solution. You know, I think that may be part of the solution, but that it would be much more forward-thinking for us to say, well, is the problem that we don't have enough parking spaces or let's flip that. Maybe the problem is that there are too many cars. So what can we do to reduce vehicular traffic downtown? If you look at uh, studies of downtown traffic, we find is that about 30% of drivers in a downtown are drivers that are looking for a parking spot. Um, so we can, if we can reorganize the way parking is, we can eliminate a, a large percentage of that traffic to begin with. And then the second piece, the bigger piece, which is also a great impact for property taxes, is let's figure out how to make our bus system make money. Right now, we pay to have a Jitney for our commuters, and Seton Hall has a shuttle service for its students. Why we have two mutually exclusive bus systems in this town, why don't we take advantage of the economy of scale, let's combine these systems, let's run it all day, seven days a week, and partner with SOPAC, Clearview Cinema, and some of the businesses downtown and say, now residents can just jump on a bus come downtown, go to a show, have a couple of drinks, not have to worry about finding parking, not have to worry about a parking ticket, not have to worry about driving or any of the, anything like that. We can create a downtown and we could have a community where I would love to see Seton Hall students be driving residents around. And we can start to bridge that gap between the town and the university community as well.
0: It's a very nice idea, Alex, very nice idea. But um, the parking lot idea, I was about to say you're, you're on the something with the parking. Um, if you were to have free parking, you could use that as a loss leader. Uh, it's just a matter of making sure that the parking environment is uh, lighted and safe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's one
1: of the, uh, you know, one of the complaints that I hear from um, probably the, the university community more than residents is, uh, but seemingly more and more with residents is that people don't really even feel safe walking around town at night. Uh, and when I was talking about the bus system with someone, I said, well, you know, we really need to figure out a way to get more bus routes because people really don't want to walk around town anymore. I'm like, well, We've got to solve that problem first. Yeah. You know, we shouldn't be band-aiding over this. I mean, as much as I would love to see expanded buses, um, we've got to figure out a way that people should never have to question their safety, safety. in this downtown or anywhere in this
0: town. That's right, that's right. And um, to, to to the point of reducing the property taxes, um, have you ever looked at the businesses that summit has versus Mm -hmm. the businesses that South Orange doesn't have?
1: Absolutely. Summit and Westfield are two examples that people usually bring up as downtowns that have a really great business district. Right. South Orange is in a little bit more of a challenging situation because we're so close to two malls. So it's hard to get some of the anchor retail. You know, Westfield has. Uh, I believe they have a Gap.
0: They have a Gap. You know, they
1: do. It'd they be do. very difficult for South Orange to convince Victoria's. Gap, they got Victoria's right. Secret. Yeah. It'd be very hard to convince yeah. those retailers. They got a that, Lord and Taylor just on right. the street. <laughs> so I mean, they basically yeah. have a mall, but in their downtown. Right. Um, and so our proximity to to those makes that a little difficult. But I think in terms, you know, again, we got we we got, we need to look at what our community, who lives in this town, and what needs they have and what isn't being met. And one of the ones that I see all the time, because I spend so much time down at Starbucks doing work when I can't stand to be in my apartment anymore, um, is that there are a lot of people who come downtown for a place to do work, basically the free wireless kind of place. And there really aren't that many options for that. No. And I'll, I'll sit in Starbucks and I'll see uh, you know, a group of students come down with backpacks and they're ready to do some work. They walk in and there's no tables available and they leave. And it's that, it's that idea like, that people are coming down there for the first time, maybe those were freshmen who just moved in, and we've just lost all that downtown business. Uh, and we, we, we need to be really careful that we're not losing people like that. Um, and wh- you know, why we don't have a cafe like
0: Panera, you know, I really don't understand. Well, you know, it's interesting. We have empty shops. Right. But, but we have a need for space. Right. Yeah. It
1: is interesting, and uh, and you know I'm I'm sure you know part of that is is uh, is housing problems everywhere. But the more that we can market this town and promote it for, but it, think about it if you're a business owner and you're thinking about opening up a storefront uh, somewhere in suburban West Essex County, and you've got towns on your list like Westfield, like Summit, Maplewood, Livingston, Milburn, and South Orange. Now it's really easy right now to cross South Orange off the list. High rent. Um, The process of opening a business in this town is not very friendly or easy, and it's very expensive. Um, And we have this ambiguous hold on our public safety problems. So as a business owner, I mean, that's really easy to just say, well, okay, we're trying Maplewood next. And I've talked to business owners who said that they have... um, friends and colleagues of theirs who even began to open a business in South Orange and then left for another town because the
0: process was so complicated and expensive. The process meaning from our... The
1: paperwork, the permits, um, and these are things that uh, the majority of which, if not everything, needs to be filled out by hand. If you're a business owner in 2011, you're using a computer to do your accounting or to do your inventory or something. So why aren't we taking advantage of those things
0: and just making it easier for businesses to open up here? And that speaks to the person who actually runs the town, the business manager, mm-hmm. in regards to their expertise and, and their comfortability with that type of technology. Absolutely. And I, I think, uh,
1: you know, as far as our, um, our administrator, you know, their their focus is mostly on, um, you know, the the village business. But and I would say that's kind of a responsibility of the village president is to set this up. The agenda vision? and the vision, vision mm-hmm. of okay, here's what we need to do, and the departments they should be entrusted to carry those out and be delegated responsibility, with the with the understanding that they're working under a broader vision that the community supports.
0: Now, your 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 uh, your opposition, Miss Janine Bauer, Janine Bauer, has been invited to be on the program. We haven't heard back from her campaign yet, but. Um there's a a debate coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think is her biggest liability for her to be our village uh, president?
1: Well, I I think, uh, you know, above all the qualifications and experience and skills that, uh, you know, I I think each of us possess in our own way, um, a different set of qualifications, uh, that the most important thing is being able to make a commitment to this position that's going to allow our village president to be to be a leader for this town. Um, you know this can't be this can't be a hobby for somebody. You know this has to be their first and primary focus. And it's it's really tough. You know this is an unpaid position, um, and we really limit the number of people who have the capacity to get involved by doing that. But I'm in a position where I can do that, um, and I want to put in those hours and see a village president
0: sitting in an office in village hall with open office hours. Very nice. You know, um, uh, our, our village president who's outgoing, Doug Newman, mm-hmm. uh, I was quite impressed with him because I would send him an email and I actually would get a response the same day. And um, you're saying that you're going to have all the time and the fortitude to deal with these 60,000 plus emails mm-hmm. that the residents.
1: 68,000 emails. I remember exactly. that article. Yeah, Right, right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you feel that maybe your opponent won't have the time to do that?
1: Yeah, you know, I think I'm in, uh, you know, a fairly unique position to be able to offer that. Um, and, you know, responding to the emails is something that, um, you know, many people, I think uh, Village President Newman had uh, seems to have a unique ability to be really on top of those. I've heard a lot of great things about that. Um, but I would like to offer, so- and that, you know, that can be done, you know, on the train back from work. Okay. What I want to offer is, you know, as much as I love almost anything about doing something online. I know there are residents in this community who don't do things online. Okay, last 30 seconds. What is your pitch? Why should folks vote for Alex? I think we need a new vision for this town. I think we need a village president who's ready to make this their primary focus of their life um, and set an agenda that they get the community behind um, and make all the changes in this town and get people involved in the process. So it's not even the quality of the decisions that are going to be made, which are going to be excellent, but it's going to be how easy and accessible it is for people to get involved with their local government.
0: Well, I am sitting here with a very enthusiastic, very impressive young man, Alex Torpy, who's running for our uh, president of South Orange Village. And the in the election is coming up in May. I believe it's May 10th. May 10th. And um, I would encourage all of those to get out and vote. And you still have until... I think, May 3rd to get a a vote by ballot. Yeah, you can vote by mail up until May 3rd. Up until May 3rd, so you can do that as well. So, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Alex Torpy, who's running for Village President. Alex, I want to thank you for coming to the program. Thank you so much for having me here. It's a real pleasure. I am Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM. Remember, leadership begins with you. Have a great weekend.